Welcome to another edition of The Tennis Tragic. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, you know, for me, Matt, the tennis season really ends after the U.S. Open. I just cannot maintain that level of tragic focus for 11 plus months out of the year. I mean, I'll tune in here and there. I keep my eye on it. But I just, there's so much of it. You know, it's like I need that break. But here I am in Melbourne, Australia for my tragic return. You're going to join me here next weekend, uh, which should be pretty great. Um, how are you doing, Matt? I'm pretty good, um, Dave. I had a tooth extracted, so it sort of, um, it got in, I had a wisdom tooth infection and it like, uh, there's nothing worse than dental pain. It got, mm. it got into the nerve, so like the last week or so, I've just been in excruciating pain and I was so relieved. I said to the dentist, take all my money, just make the pain go away. <laughs> you know, I've never been so happy to go to the dentist in my life and have them, uh, and let them have their way with me. Yeah. Uh, did they anesthetize you? They did some local anesthetic, but I can still feel all the pressure to see them doing it, doing the work. I can hear the tooth cracking. Yeah, the crunch. And they sawed the tooth in half to be able to extract it better. Oh, and Gasquet's just hit a forehand down the line. Ah. To, um, I'm, I've also got Nari Gasquet, the final of Auckland, in the background. Yeah, I, I know that's an important one for you. Uh, can Gasquet get another title? What's this? What's the score right now? Nari took the first six four. Um, it's Love one in the second. Gasquet's at forty thirty. Love one. Yeah, Love one. Gasquet serving. Get, okay, I'll serve. Yeah. You know, I had my wisdom teeth pulled when I was in high school, and they put they put me out because they had four impacted you know they were like coming in sideways they just gave me yeah. full anesthesia right so I, you know you start counting down from 10 and suddenly you wake up but i actually woke up during the surgery and heard, oh, no. heard a crunch oh and i started laughing and they're like ha, 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 it's a good thing you're laughing and then they put me back under so, but then recently I went to a new dentist and they did some scans and they're like, yeah, you got these wisdom teeth. And I think, I think they're probably going to have to come out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I had my wisdom teeth removed. Like, this is not like some Mandela effect thing where I'm just like, I remember something that didn't actually happen. I know that it happened, mm. um, but they seem to differ on this matter and, uh, anymore so what if you had your how many wisdom teeth did you have taken out all four of them all four yeah so what could these other teeth be i think they're just molars i think they're just but i mean it seems like the sort of thing there shouldn't be any confusion about yeah and it makes me wonder what what really happened in the dentist (laughs) yeah (laughs) that day 30 years ago um, anyway, enough about teeth. Um, let's get our teeth into this draw show. There's been a lot going on, but why don't we talk about, before we get into the draw and start to like dig into all the like nitty gritty, let's talk about some of the other stuff going on right now. Um, 
So uh, the Netflix series just came out and, uh, you know, trying to like broaden the appeal of the sport by doing the same thing that Drive to Survive did for F1. They followed players around last year and made this like fancy documentary about it. Uh, they released the first five episodes. You've watched one mm. of them. What do you, what do you have to, what do you think about it so far? I don't love it so far. I find it a little contrived. Like, um, and plus the stuff about the first episodes are all about curiosity. And I feel like there's nothing new there. Um, anyway, I, right. You know, I suppose it is interesting to see him and his partner and that dynamic because, um, Christine Hutzi, his girlfriend is, they'd only be going out for a couple of months at this stage and they're, she's quite involved in the show. Um, so there's a lot of stuff from her perspective. Yeah. I, I heard, um, the review I listened to from the tennis podcast, I listened to part of it. They said that there wasn't a lot of tennis in the show. No, no, there's not. And I, I was expecting more, like we see, we see the interviews, you know, and we see the tennis matches, but it seems like they had a bit of access there. What would be more interesting is these different views from inside the, the tennis world, like inside the stadiums and stuff like that. Um, there's some stuff like on the massage table and whatever, but, um, yeah, I, there's not a, not a lot of new new areas covered, David. Um, I wasn't I wasn't enthused, but maybe I was. I was also flicking. I was also flicking through it in bed, so maybe I wasn't giving it my full attention. Yeah, I, I think like you know the Drive to Survive show has like made the sport more appealing to casual fans because it like shows the politics and the relationships and the drama behind the scenes. You know, it's, it shows the sport beyond the, the sport. And for me, tennis really clicked when I started, you know, like for me, it was reading that Agassi autobiography and just, you know, how it like gets into all the relationships and, you know, what happened with his father and, you know, his, his like, you know, like the, how the public eye, like really like put all these pressures on him, but he had to kind of find himself through his relate through positive relationships with others. Um, so I hope that it reveals more of that, but I don't know. I'm wondering if maybe the show is just not as appealing to like core tennis fans because we are already in the know, uh, about this stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see it. Yeah, that could be it. Um, you know, the, the Agassi autobiography is is fantastic, and it's got some great stories of him in Las Vegas and on tour, and just all you know. But that's a whole lifetime, you know, quite where you know where he's had an opportunity to think about storytelling. Um, and in the Netflix series, well, Curious is a you know uh, interesting character. There's a theater that he brings to tennis, but when you sit down and have interviews with him at length, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that it wasn't as um, interesting as I thought it would be. Yeah, like I don't know. He it just it, it, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be revealing in a way that like gives his persona more depth. Like I don't think like I don't think there's that much depth there with Nick. 
you know, I think you kind of like what you see is what you get. And that that's part of what makes him interesting is that he's so expressive and he has no filter. So you just, you kind of know all of it. It's, it's not like there's something kind of beneath the surface that's, that's more interesting, but I, I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to watch. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. What else you mentioned in pretty big life news, uh, Naomi Osaka uh, had withdrawn from the tournament and she didn't initially, I think say why, but then, then she made an announcement that she's, uh, that she's pregnant and, um, apparently Ash Barty is as well. Um, pretty interesting and exciting for these women, uh, you know, younger women deciding in their primes, uh, to, you know, step away from the sport and prioritize, uh, motherhood. Barty obviously has retired and she, even though she won this tournament last year, it's kind of hard to believe that's only a year ago. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a surprise with, with Naomi. Yeah. I didn't say, didn't see that coming. Um, she said she's, she's going to be back. She's going to play and that, um, her kid will have a chance to watch her play and stuff. So, um, that's definitely, um, good for the sport. Like we're going to see her, um, again, like as opposed to Barty, who's completely prioritizing family life and the rest of her life and just going in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Osaka's really had a pretty rough go of it the last couple of years, you know, started to kind of think of her as a non-factor and, um, you know, clearly has struggled with some mental health stuff and seems like she's been getting help. And, uh, the, yeah, the message that she left, um, announcing this and, and kind of promising that she would come back next year makes me wonder if, you know, maybe, maybe things are turning around for her personally and, you know, she can return to the sport in a healthier place and, you know, be a factor again. Um, it's, it's just interesting on the women's side, how we seem to have all these younger women kind of breaking through and having these huge moments and then really struggling to keep it up, keep it going. Um, you know, unlike, you know, just in contrast to the men where you've had these decades of dominance from these, these key players, um, you know, Osaka won four slams, Barty won three. Um, you know, Svantec now seems to be entering this period of dominance, but it is just, it's so unusual for to have something like to have a, a situation like a Serena, um, where somebody dominates the sport for so long. And, um, yeah, you kind of have to think back to the Steffi Graf and yeah. Martina Navratilova to think of women who are like dominant for a whole decade. Um, and um, I think that's a good thing, like, you know, in a way that, um, you know, maybe not necessarily for the sport in terms of like uh, when you build up a legacy, you become a real draw card um, mm-hmm. for the sponsors and, you know, for for the commercial side of tennis. But in terms of people's personal lives, I think it's very healthy to play some play some high level sport and do some other things as well um rather than having to give your 100% focus to um to one pursuit you know especially if that's not your only interest in life yeah yeah and it's interesting that you know i mean f- women face this totally different choice because their prime sporting like their prime period of athleticism also coincides with their their opportunity to uh, to carry a child to birth. Um, yeah. 
So they, they're facing something that's a lot, you know, if, if they're interested in having children, it's a, you know, it's a much bigger decision for them to make. Um, but yeah, as far as like the sports concerned, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that into solo dominance. I think, you know, if Sviantek is the only person winning slams, you know, three out of, if she, if she dominates the way she has been, um, you know, and look, her track record's not that long and there's so many viable women who could win. Uh, I just don't think it'd be very interesting, but if, if rivalries emerge, you know, at the top, I think that can, that can get there. But, you know, I look at the women's draw and I'm always thinking like, oh, there's just, there's so many people here I could see it happening for. And so many people I like, and I don't necessarily know who to believe in because they're just, dozens of women who have had their moments and gotten to semis or finals and it could just strike at any time. What do you think of the, the women's draw? What's your, what's your take? Um, well, my, the thing I'm focused on actually the most at the moment is whether or not Jean Jean is going to um, get a lucky loser spot. Cause by my calculations, she's the highest, ranked seeded um player in qualifying that got to the third round of qualifying and didn't win mm. which would make her number one in line for a lucky loser and there hasn't been um a withdrawal from the women's draw since um qualifying ended so yet but um i'm thinking one in 128 has got a some kind of thing's going to befall them right <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. You're hoping for Jean Jean to get lucky, lucky. Yeah. Lucky, lucky Jean Jean. LL, it would be LL cool JJ. <laughs> yep. Have you, have you watched much Jean Jean? I mean, I, I feel like we were drawn to the name, but I don't think I've ever actually seen her play. No, point. I haven't really watched her. I just like <laughs> the name. <laughs> I mean, any reason to get on board. Um, you know, I, I spent some time at Qualies this week. I got in, in town early enough that I went down. You know, I'm thinking like, oh, free qualifying. It's always, you know, it's just good to like get a feel for the grounds and see yeah. all the like the other core insane tragics, uh, you know, like sitting quietly in the, in the crowd. You know, like I was, I was watching Alicia Parks, the young American woman who was actually the top seated uh, woman, but she didn't, she didn't actually make it through. Uh, and she was playing an Aussie, but it was like, she'd win a point and it was dead silence and I would clap and nobody else would. <laughs> so like, I felt so conspicuous, you know, sitting there. Uh, I think it's the right thing to do, David, to clap a good point. Um, well, if you're watching a match, of course, but it, it good it's, on you. It's just such a it's such a strange atmosphere. I mean, I, I like yeah. going, but I like going and then I like leaving. You know, I'm there for like an hour, and I, and they started charging <laughs> this year, which I I was really I'm like still like minorly annoyed about because how much was it? Ten bucks. Ten bucks. They, yeah. Look, if you're tragic enough to go down on a Tuesday afternoon to see the qualifying event and you get to the gate and they're like, yeah, you need to pay us $10. You're probably not going to be like, yeah, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. But still like, it's the principle, like it just, you know, it's a better selling point as well. They're not yeah. going to make much money from 10 bucks to pop on qualifying, right. but just, just go 
qualifying's free. It's you know, it's a high level tennis. Anyone's invited. Come on, come on down. Seriously, and I, you know, I mean, they they had a few shops open, but like it feels to me like if they wanted to use it as a way to grow the sport, they could have a little bit more going on on the grounds, and use that as a way to entice people to come and check it out. Like it, there's an opportunity there for them to use it to grow the sport, but they just they're just like, yeah, I don't know, there's tennis happening. But yeah, I love the idea of free qualifying because like qualifying is interesting. It's yeah, there's often, you know, some you know, players like Verdasco or mm-hmm. whatever, you players that have been at the top of the sport and they're, you know, still trying to um, qualify now late in their career or, you know, people on the fringes or exciting new players. It's great. And the stakes are so high it's to make um, exactly. the first round of a grand slam. Yeah. Financially in terms of their careers, like I saw, uh, I can't remember his name. I saw like a, a younger Asian man make his first grand slam singles. That draw. was, that was Sue, wasn't it? Sue? Yes. Sue. That's right. Yeah. Oh, Sue. Yeah. HSU. Um, From, so, you know, it's a big Taiwan. deal, big deal in his life. Yeah. I think he was, he was Taiwan, uh, Taiwanese. Yeah. It's it. There's some really good moments. I went and saw, friend of the pod marco no not marco chicanato marco trungolitti (laughs) (laughs) and uh he had like a nice little support group you know out on this out on court 12 you know there were these four or five argentinian dudes like singing songs chanting his name even though he was getting like badly beaten by uh son of tracy austin brandon holt in the third round of qualifying Mm. um but he like, you know, he came over and like, thank the guy. Yeah, obviously he was friends with at least one of them and, you know, they were kind of laughing about it and, you know, the friends were encouraging him like, you know, top 100 this year, come on. He's like, yeah, hopefully, you know, and you just get that like intimate connection there and you could see, you know, players or umpires just walking around. Like I saw, um, you know, I saw Mo Laiani, uh, you know, I saw, um, what's her name? Uh, Pam Shriver. I saw Pam Shriver. You know, it's just like mm. they're just there hanging out. Yeah. 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 Even in the first and second rounds, you go and um, I've seen Tringaliti when he's made the draw. Mm. And, you know, you're able to, you know, I said to him, well, well played after he lost. Um, and he said, thanks, you know, rather begrudgingly, but still, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, he, you know, as he walked out, they just walk right by you. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to those first couple of days. It's going to be, going to be a good time. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't de- get down for that. Cause by the time I get down, it'll be fourth round and quarters. Yeah. I think we're going like, if we go Sunday and Monday, I think it's, yeah, it's all fourth round. So we'll basically, okay. so there'll be some good doubles on, um, we'll have tickets on noble wombat arena and uh be able to you know we'll see a couple singles i think two singles matches a day on on the second court and uh yeah it should be good but yeah you lose that ability to just like wander around and catch you catch these great players rising players on 1573 and kia arena and stuff that's it's my favorite part of going and it's like the cheapest way it's like the best deal in all of sports i think you know you pay 
I don't know what it is for a day pass here, 50 bucks, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Well, what else? So in the, in the women's draw, uh, Leolia Jean Jean, I don't think anything has changed in the last 10 minutes. Um, as far as her lucky loser status. No, so... but we watch this space. Um, <laughs> right. And another, per- like I really enjoyed Niemeyer's run at Wimbledon. Hmm. That's interesting. You're a Niemeyer person. So you, th- you think she might take out Sviantek? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Niemeyer admirer. Niemeyer admirer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I would <laughs> like to see her take out Sviantek, but I'm not necessarily going to pick her in the upset game that we will be playing this year because, well, it's Sviantek. But I like her. I, I have, like, aspirational picks for upsets, and I have, like, actual more um intellectually founded in actual possibility picks yeah the way so we're doing the upset game again and i as the way i did it this time was i just filled out my full draw and any time basically i like picked an upset i would just write it down separately so i have a ton i haven't picked the five upsets per draw that i want to commit to yet um so i've just got a big list of upsets and yeah and like i you know, there is this this tension when you're looking at a draw, like between your heart and your head. You know, I'd like the things I want to happen and the things I think will actually happen. I just think it's so it'd be so boring to to say declaratively, yes, uh, Sviantek and Djokovic are going to win again. Like I just I want to root for something else. I want to root for first timers. Mm. You know, who's gonna mm. who's gonna break through? Um, Cause you know, yeah, and Sviantek and Niemeyer in the first round, um, Niemeyer took a set off her, and I think was up a break as well in the, at the U.S. Open against Sviantek. So that is a dangerous first round match. But yeah, realistically, I think Iga's going to get through. Um, it's also only one point in the upset game, so right? Like, if it was the a second round, rewards you for like being able to predict a couple of players' paths. The fact that they're going to meet in the third, fourth, or quarterfinal or something, and then exactly, and then the outcome. Yeah, I think if if Niemeyer was on the other half of that section, I would definitely be picking her to beat Sviantek in the third or fourth round, just because I think you know it's a higher value proposition. I think there's a good chance she could get through there. You know, the other the other seeded player in that section is Buzkova and she's playing Andreescu who, you know, I think, Oh yeah. Hey, that's a good one. How's Andreescu doing? I haven't heard much of her. I think it's just perpetually up and down. Like she shows these moments. She was like getting her butt beat by Muguruza and then turned it around and won and people were excited about it. But you know, she hasn't won a tournament in a long time. She's not seated. Uh, you know, she's, I think, as long as she's around and not, you know, not completely falling off the map, there's going to be that hope that she can recover that form. But do right. I do I think she could beat Sviantek right now? Uh, I don't think so. I, I would love to see that. That would be a great third rounder, you know, and I would love to see Andreescu come through there. But, um, but you know, tough, tough draw for BB, I think, mm. being in that section. All right. Well, it's an interesting section, though, that top of the top of the women's draw, right at the top. Yeah. Let's see. Who else? Like, I mean, Shiantek, you know, she could end up uh, facing last year's finalist, Danielle Collins, in the fourth. Um, 
You've got Paula mm. Bedosa, Coco Goff in that quarter. Yeah, that that bottom of that quarter on the collision course to meet Schwantek is Raducanu and Coco in the second round. Yep, that could be an interesting one. I think Raducanu also playing better, but maybe a little hurt recently. I'm not not clear on Goff's form. I haven't seen her play in a while, but it seems like the steady upward trajectory is is in play there. Uh, Paula Bedosa, uh, I think, has been looking pretty good. I saw her beat um, Beatrice Haddad Maya at Adelaide, I think, uh, this week, and she looked pretty pretty good, pretty solid. So I think uh, she's a, she's a good bet. She's my pick to come come through to the quarter against Shvantec in that section. Uh, she could play Ostapenko in the third round. Yep. Always an opportunity for drama when Ostapenko is on the court. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. The next section. So my, my, my pick for first-time breakthrough here is uh, Jesse Pagula, who, you know, I, I almost bought an NFT, a Jesse Pagula NFT a few years ago when they were first, like, happening. And, um, but I didn't buy it. You know, I just, I just wonder if she wins a Grand Slam, like, if the value of her NFT will be higher nfts have gone heaps down there right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so if you bought something for like 10 ethereum or whatever it's like worth a quarter what it was so even if you sold it for 20 it would be worse mm. yeah i know that whole scene is you know not the most exciting but that that's like my personal jesse pagula connection um who otherwise i don't feel very strongly about um She's up there with uh, Anisimova. There's oh, this, there's an interesting aspect to this section that I think you'll appreciate, which is that we have sisters, two sisters of other players who are higher ranked in the same section. So we have Brenda Fruvirtova, who is the younger sister of Linda Fruvirtova. Brenda is 17 years old, and she just made a run in New Zealand, I think, or maybe Hobart. And then you have. Uh, I have uh, Kudermit, Veronica Kudermitova's sister, whose name is um, Paulina, Paulina Kudermitova, um, who came through qualifying. So you've got, you've got a couple of uh, sneaky, not who you think you are, who you think they are players in this, in this section of the draw. Okay. So they could play each other. Those lesser sisters. Um, what do we call them? The cinnamon. Um... The cinnamon babka. The Cinnamon Bobka's <laughs> sisters could play each other in the third round in that top of that um, second quarter. Yeah, they'd have to upset. Uh, Fruvirtova would have to upset Jesse Pagula, and Kudimatova would have to upset probably Anisimova mm-hmm. or Mar- Marta Kostyuk. So, okay. um, but that'd be interesting. It's also like when I when I see these like lesser known names, I'm often looking at their age, you know, because there's a gotta be you know there's always some teenagers coming up or people who are straight out of juniors or um so it's pretty interesting that these i wonder if these younger sisters might actually eclipse the uh the older ones it's usually the way well it is it has been with the williams sisters is it do you have other examples of that being the case yes um at high school there was mark e who was a very good cross-country runner Uh, he was in my year but in the year below us his brother darren was an even better runner and eclipsed Mark at every meet. And um, they, 
there was a not too kind chant from our classmates. Um, mm. It was like it was like this: Mark, Mark, he's our man. If he can't do it, Darren can better. <laughs> oh man, yeah, brutal, was- yeah. My my brother admittedly was a much better athlete than me when we were young. I mean, I, I was pretty poor at sports, you know, especially team sports. Hyper competitive and just not very coordinated. Um, so my brother was better at basketball and better at tennis. And, you know, even though he was two and a half years younger, would generally beat me. But in our 40s, I have become a much better athlete. <laughs> finally <laughs> finally although to be fair yeah i don't think he's really put in any attempt to uh, cultivate a middle-aged level of athleticism so uh, this is a challenge noah if you're listening let's let's race start training now run a 10k with me see who's who's on top all right in our 40s all right yeah it's a call to action um Watch your space for the Noah versus David battle of the brothers. <laughs> yeah, I need to disprove this. Uh, older brother is the inferior. Older sibling is inferior. Uh, hypothesis that you have uh, posited here, Matt. And Noah, if you want to propose a different event than, say, a 10K, you know, feel free to hit us up. Um, yeah, it's true. We probably probably need, you know, to, like, set up the opportunity for... For him to choose something because i'm, I'm yeah. choosing my sport obviously yeah yeah he might want to choose like uh, an art installation contest <laughs> yeah quite possibly i would i would uh be in some trouble there um so who else is in this this quarter we've got uh maria sakari i feel like it's a good draw for sakari um one potential, one great first round match that I, I hope is on one of the outer courts. Uh, uh, Sophia Kennan and uh, Victoria Azarenka are playing in the first round. Oh, wow. It's a battle two, for the ages. I think somebody said they are the only two former champions in the women's draw. No. And they, and they play each other in the first round. They're the only two Australian Open champions? They are the only two in the draw. So we are going to have a first-time winner. I mean, I don't think yeah. either of them is going to win. Okay, so Osaka, Body, Serena, Venus. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Lena, who else is like... Wozniacki is recent. Wozniacki. Yeah, I guess. Canon. That accounts for a lot of them. Yep, pretty wild. Um, so that could be an interesting first-rounder. Uh, for sure. But yeah, I think, I think a Sakari Pagula quarter might be in order there. Um, the next section feels really open to me because the, the top seeds are Kasakina, Kudermatova, Kontavate, Garcia. Um, you know, and look, I love Garcia and she's been, you know, she had that great run at the U.S. Open, but I also don't really trust her. So I feel like it's really open here for a lot of the lower-ranked players: Zhang Shui, Pliskova, Alexandrova. Um, you know, big, big opportunity in this section. Right. I love, I love Garcia. I hope she does well. She didn't only make the U.S. Open finals; she also won the WTA finals. That's true. Yeah, and 
Yeah, so like I, I felt like she had trouble following up the U.S. Open, but then, but then, right, she played great at the tour finals. So, it just kind of depends on whether or not she gets on a roll. Yeah, um, you've also got Tatiana Maria. Yep, at the top there, love her semifinalist at Wimbledon, um, which is obviously grass being her best surface, but um, good to see that she's made like not getting any ranking points for that for that uh semi-final but still maintaining a high enough ranking to to make the main draw yeah and at the bottom uh, another interesting matchup in this section is uh leila fernandez and elise cornet yeah in the first round wonderful wonderful matchup you got to be happy with either of those going through and then they yeah. probably meet garcia yeah in the second round that's that could be really good. That could be a great match, match up whoever goes through. Yeah, I hope. I mean, Leila Fernandez, I don't think has really done much recently. So I have Cornet coming through in that match, but um, it would be great to see Layla get on a little run and and play well. But tough section for her. I mean, right from the jump. So, uh, but yeah, Net Contivate. I mean, she was uh, she was number two in the world not that long ago. And now she's down at number 16 in the seeding, also not in good form. So it's, uh, I actually have Kudermatova, the eldest Kudermatova, Veronica, coming through for her first major semi. Okay. All right. And then, uh, so we're, then we're down in the final quarter of the women's draw. This is where Reina Sabalenka is, Ons Jabur. Ons uh, she won the U.S. Open, and she made uh, the final of Wimbledon. She didn't win the U.S. Open. She didn't. No, Iga Swiatek beat her in the final. Oh, she still hasn't won a Grand Slam. No, final she, two oh. finals in a row though, which is pretty dang impressive. Um, I think this might be the year for her, but not here. I think she's a little hurt. That's what I heard. Cool. She might have some back problems. I just made up a fantasy come true in my mind. I thought I thought she had a big victory, but <laughs> no. Nope. Sorry to break it to you, Matt. Mm. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> tough out there, but she's got the ability. It's just a question of whether or not she can she can find her way through in the the biggest matches. But she, you know, she's been building for a while now. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know what her status is physically, but I think that's going to be a factor potentially. And Sabalenka in this quarter, uh, I think Sabalenka is kind of starting to look like somebody who is going to overcome the demons, but she does have a tendency to come up short in the big events, even though she can be a completely dominant player. But yeah, I mean, she's she might play her doubles partner, uh, her old doubles partner, Elise Mertens, in the third round. Uh, that could be interesting. And, right. Uh, Belinda Bencic is there, I think, you know, always kind of steady. Uh, didn't she win the gold medal last year, Bencic? Yeah, I think she might have. So there's there's opportunity in this section. Yes, and there's always the possibility of, one of these Australian wildcards doing something, I feel like they they do well. Jamie Fawless mm. uh, is playing Forever Tova. Yeah, the, uh, 
the elder Linda 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 and, and Brenda how about those two 80s names Linda and Brenda love it <laughs> there's also another Australian in the draw called Storm Hunter there's Storm Hunter I mean there's Storm Sanders Storm Sanders <laughs> they yeah. should they should play doubles Storm Sanders is a very good doubles player she should change her name to Sandstorm. Sandstormers. And <laughs> Sandstormers and Storm Sanders. <laughs> and Storm Hunters. <laughs> yep. Uh, if yeah. they're listening, let us know if you decide to go with it. Um, yeah. We'll yeah. just take we'll take ten percent. Yep. Of the merch. There's some good merch opportunities. Um who do you have in this section, in the bottom quarter? Angevin, obviously. Oh yeah, you're right. You go, you go with your heart. You, you're committed to your heart. I yeah. feel the tension between my heart and my head. I feel, <sighs> I don't feel too much tension. Oh damn it! What happened? Um, by the way, Gasquet took the second six four. No way. So, yeah, so we're into a third. Oh man, I should turn this on. It's been really good. He's been playing really, really well. Ah, oh, I would love for Gasquet to beat Nori. This is one of those things where, like, Nori's playing his hometown tournament. He's probably going to win, right? He's supposed to win. He's the top seed. He's a top 10 player. He's a top 10 player. He's been great recently. He beat Rafa recently. Like, he's got, he's got to be coming into the slam thinking, I can go on a serious run here, right? What section right. is he in? He's in a section with Tsitsipas. OJ Aliasim is a tough section center. Um, but I feel like often these guys who win the big tournaments the week before, they come in and they disappoint early. It just seems mm. to happen over and over again. Like the really best players are resting this week. Yeah. But you never know. Nori's so, a grinder. Yeah. Um, right. So that's a good segue actually into the men's half of the draw because right at the top, Jack Draper was slotted in against Rafa Nadal, who has not been informed. Rafa has lost six of his last seven matches, if you can believe it. So how far do you think Rafa's going? Uh, he'll turn it on. I think I feel like he's his priority um, in the matches that he has played um, since the US Open has been like he's played some United Cup for Spain. Yeah. Um, I think he played a dead other- rubber too, so... And was pretty yeah, I think he's. I think he's playing within himself. He's managing. He's the consummate professional, managing his injuries and um, still putting effort in, but probably not too worried about results. He's always been able to um, contextualize uh, his performances within a wider, you know, hierarchy of meaning. So he'll be mm. targeting the Australian Open and like trying to peak for that. He'll he'll really turn it on. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I can't see Draper beating him, even though Draper seems like a guy who's who's headed to the top twenty at at least. Um, he he seems like the most American British guy I can imagine. I mean, they keep talking about how the the broadcasters are talking about how they he reminded them of young Andy Roddick. Big serve, big forehand, you know, kind of like one of those classic 90s American types, I think. God, Gasquet has gone down a break now. He always <sighs> does this to me. He always, he, <laughs> he makes me believe, and then he stops believing himself, and you just see his body language, and he's uh, like, oh, 
I am but an old French veteran that never lived up to my potential. But I may as well. Well, what can I do? Not much. Yeah, he does. He tends to look a bit haggard when he gets down. Like I remember <laughs> turning on that match against Rafa when he was like being completely annihilated. It was just like why it was like watching a corpse. He was so he was so down. I mean, he did get back into <laughs> like the match. Watching a corpse. <laughs> He started, he started playing better. I wouldn't say he got back into the match. No. Oh, I had COVID recently, Matt. Did I tell you that? Yeah, and you lost your sense of smell in Hawaii. Yeah. Couldn't smell all the Hawaiian flowers. Huh. Was, was stuck in bed for a few days. It was, it was a bummer. I'm still a little, little chesty. I don't know if the, the audience can hear it in my voice, but it's a little stuff in here. But otherwise, yeah, right. I'm at a hundred percent. Okay, that's good. Good yeah. to know. Um, um, so could we have another TFO Rafa fourth round matchup coming? Well, that would be that'd be good, and you you wouldn't bet against TFO in that matchup because now he's got his self belief. Yeah, it that's it's a tricky one. Like I I actually. I think Rafa will get his revenge because that's the kind of guy that Rafa is. Um, <laughs> and I mean, he would tell, he would never tell you that, right? Like he'd be like, I approach every game, you know, the same, everything consistent all the time. No, he's, he's fucking gunning for TFO. I think that gives him a little fuel because he's got a classically, not that, worrisome draw i mean the tough first match is tough but he should get through it and then nakashima munar nishioka not too bad but he looks ahead and sees tfo in the fourth and thinks i'm gonna get my revenge you're right and, um, then, it could, jason, and then it could be medvedev oh you were going to talk about jason kubler kubler yeah, jason kubler I, I i potentially have him beating kachanov um, same uh, because he's he's in the form of his life, and I think he's had some inju- injury problems earlier in his career, so he's never really lived up to his potential. But now he's he's gonna come into himself. Yeah, this is interesting. He got a wild card, but he's ranked number eighty six, so he doesn't need a wild card. Uh, maybe. Maybe it was yeah. given before he kind of got to that height. But surely they should be able to take the wild card away and just let him enter the draw as normally. As you know, a waste of a wild card otherwise. That's right. It's like, I don't know, Australia just wants the best Australians in. But right, they could give a wild card to another young Australian. So, well, yeah. It's strange. Um, unless the rankings didn't change. Yeah, I think Kubler came to my attention because there were some good Kubla Kudla matches last year. Kubler Kudler. Yeah. And uh Kubler's Kubler's good. He's a dogged competitor. I like watching him. But yeah, twenty nine years old. Uh kind of only coming into his own now. So yeah. yeah I, I, I would like to see him play Hatchinoff. Cool. Um and then you've got in that same quarter, you've also got Hubert Herkash. Yep. Our favorite um JB Hi Fi. Employee by day, tennis player by night. Um, he actually that whole section of the draw, the other half of that quarter is really pretty loaded. I mean, you got Shapovalov in there, you got Sebastian Korda, who just lost a final to Djokovic 
where he had match point, which seems like a very Sebastian Corda thing to do. You know, he was up mm. against Rafa at Indian Wells last year. I was at the match, and he couldn't come through. Like a double break in the third set and lost. Um, and then you got Medvedev, who feels like a mystery to me right now. I don't know what to expect from uh, from Daniil. Yes. you. All things being equal, you expect him to play Rafa in the quarters, in that quarter. Right. I think the question is, do you think that Seb Korda or Shapovalov or Hercotch could upset Medvedev? Yeah, any of them could. They could, but I don't believe that they necessarily will. And I think Medvedev and Rafa, like I think Medvedev wants revenge on Rafa. So that will motivate him. I'm just seeing everything through the lens of revenge right now. Um, mm. But yeah, I just don't know if like Medvedev feels like he just lost a half a step somehow, you know, he's taken some right, losses. But he's still young. He's still young. He's still very yeah. good. Right. He could, he just needs to find his mindset. Yep. I think and stay injury free. I think it's fair enough to see everything through the lens of revenge because Tennis is very personal. It's two in singles. It's two mm. two personalities. Oh, Gasquet just missed a forehand down the line. Now it's <laughs> three love to Nori. Mm. Oh, that would have anyway. Um, yes, because you you beat you lose to someone. Maybe you don't like them, or maybe you just think you're a better player than they are. Or maybe you feel like you didn't play their best and you really want to show them, you know, like. Absolutely. Surely that's, that's got to come into it. It's got to be part of the motivation. If you're this level of competitor, if you care this much enough to like make this your life and there's that person who just beats you over and over again. I mean, I do, it, it can get to a point where like, you know, like with Gasquet and Rafa, for example, where you no longer have any belief whatsoever and you've lost before you come onto the court or same thing with like Malfis and Djokovic. But also I think that says something about those personalities, Malfis and Gasquet, who are both wonderful players and have reached some pretty great heights in the sport, but they don't seem to have that killer instinct, that desire to, to find the motivation wherever it lies. So, you know, yeah, I mean, if you don't look at things through those lenses, it's like, the sport just seems flat. Like, how do, how do you even know? If you don't know the history, you know, if you don't know that TFO just beat Rafa, if you don't know that Rafa came back from two sets to love down against Medvedev in the final last year, I mean, it just, it it takes so much out of it. Yeah, it's like you really it's need boring. to be It's like, who has in. the better forehand? Who has the better backhand? Who will be able to serve into the other's? least favorable wing mm. at crucial moments you know it's like it's extremely boring yep well that should be an interesting section let's go to q2 Tsitsipas's quarter which i think is pretty tough and this is where my heart once again has decided that this is the time for stefanos i think he's been playing well <laughs> he yeah. he had he had great performances at the united cup um, he beat Medvedev recently on a hardcore. Like, he just seems like, I mean, he's he's pretty steady. I mean, I feel like Tsitsipas has, like, some bad losses here and there, but it doesn't seem to drag him down. He stays at the top of the game in the rankings. Um, but he could he could face Sinner or Musetti in the fourth. 
Uh, on the other half, you have Nori and Felix Ojealiasim, Sunwoo Kwan, Borna Chorich, who's been a nightmare for Stefanos, but Tsitsipas actually got him at the United Cup. Um, so it's going to be tricky here, but yeah, I'm, I'm, this is where I go with my heart. And you're going to pick Stefanos to make the that quarter against who? Nori. I think it's going to be Nori. Okay. Well, he certainly is in form, and now he's love up. Uh, he's up uh, love forty on Gasquet's serve, and l- love three. Mm, this is almost uh, over. Uh, it's uh, Gasquet started the game with a double fault, and he's looking corpse-like again, David. Ah, uh, shame. Good, still good tournament for Richard. It's a great tournament for him, but he was playing. Uh, at times, he just he turns on the brilliance, and then you start to believe, and then okay, you just want a point, fifteen forty. Um, and in this same quarter that we're talking about, in which you predict Sitsipas versus Nari, I would like to see Sun Wukwon do well. He's got the wild card Christopher Eubanks in the first round. Yep. I also like Rinky Hijikata's name, so. Mm. Uh, I hope he can beat Huntman. Huntman, who's had to come through qualifying. And yeah, there's other players like Yannick Sinner in there as well. But has Sinner played in the run up? I don't feel like Sinner's been playing. Do you know? No, I don't know. I haven't seen his name. I haven't either. He wasn't playing for Italy in the United Cup. He played in Adelaide 1, both in doubles and singles, and he lost to Sebastian Corda after beating Kokonakis and Kyle Edmund, who is back. He was a guy mm. who disappeared off the face of the earth. He did. So losing losing to Corda is a little surprising. I mean, obviously Corda went to the final there. He's, he was looking really good. But I always feel like I'm writing off center. I mean, Tsitsipas beat him really badly in the round of 16 last year here. And that was a match where a lot of people were like, yeah, this is Sinner's time. He's about to break through. And he had that unbelievable, like, legendary match against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open where it really felt like, oh, is is this coming soon where he's going to break through? So I would not be shocked to see him come through this section at all. But this is where my heart, my dark heart comes into play. And I just, because I don't like him, I think think Lorenzo Massetti is going to get him in the third round. That's my, that's my feeling. That's what I want. Dark Heart says Massetti of Sinner. Yeah. Oh God. Gasquet <laughs> he he saved three break points, but now it's advantage Nori. Mm. It's virtual another virtual match point. So Rink is also in that quarter. Yeah, he's got Molkan in the first round, then Felix Ojealiasim. It's I'm glad that Stan is still out there grinding, but uh he just hasn't I haven't seen him get any real momentum anywhere. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Felix might be too tough in the second round. Should we move on to the third quarter? Yes, let's do that. So this is the Djokovic-Rublev quarter. We also have Karenia Busta. We have uh, our favorite uh, sock puppet, uh, Holger Rudna. <laughs> um, Nick Kyrgios. And I am... I, I guess I'm going with this is a different kind of dark heart. I'm picking Curios to come through here. 
Okay. Uh, I would agree with you. I would like to see Gasquet beat him in the second round. That would <laughs> that would suck for Kyrgios. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I get, cannot get, imagine that happening. I I think Gasquet did actually beat Kyrgios in their most recent meeting, which was like Tokyo a few years ago. No kidding. Yeah. I feel like Ugo Umber is going to be tough for Gasquet in the first round, although Umber has been disappointing. But Umber and Kyrgios had a really great match at the Aussie Open a few years ago. Right. So I feel like they're like a good, there's a good style clash there. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to Ugo. We've also got um, Yu Sio Su, who you saw in qualifying. That's right. Playing against Demonor. Yeah, that's going to be tough for for UCO Su. Yes. Um, yeah, I think if I was if I was picking with my warm heart, I would want to see Demonor come through this section. I mean, he's you know he's a guy I love to watch. I think a third round match against Karenia Busta could be really pretty tasty. Um, mm. PCB is a guy who I've warmed to. Just recently, I, I think I don't. I still can't say I love the guy, but he had some of the most incredible shots on tour last year that I, like kind of melted my brain a little bit. And he won his first Masters, and when he won that Masters event, he was so over the top thrilled in a way that just was actually pretty endearing. You know, I feel like my memories of him had been kind of like melting down against Kei Nishikori and you know, just kind of not being a great sport. Yeah. He had that time at the Australian Open where he threw his bag onto the court after a really late five-setter against someone. Was that Nishikori? I think that was the Nishikori match because it was was like a fifth-set tie break that, like, there was a bad call or something, like, you know, that that caused a point to stop that he would have won. And then he like lost his momentum. He was up in the high break. So he lost his mind. He he really did. Um, Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. Cool section. I mean, realistically, Djokovic, there's like some injury. I think Djokovic, you know, if I'm thinking with my head, Djokovic should win the tournament. I believe he will win the tournament if he's healthy. I think there's been some concern about his health. So we'll see. Um, but he, he doesn't look to be challenged at all, really. I mean, if, if he got Karenia Boost in the fourth, I mean, Karenia Boost has given him trouble. And then, yeah, and then the Nick Kyrgios Wimbledon final rematch could be pretty interesting. Um, and I don't know why I th- like, I don't really feel like Kyrgios is in form. And I think he kind of disappoints at the AO, but he did win doubles last year. I want to see Kyrgios Runa in the third round could be really fun because Runa is such a little shit. And, (laughs) (laughs) and look, I, you know, Holger, if you're listening, we're open to seeing you change and to kind of coming around on you. I mean, I think you're an incredible player, Uh, but I just think that that matchup, like Kyrgios and Runa just being like, you know, I, hopefully it engages like that. That, that the right kind of shittiness you know like two guys just competing and just being kind of jerks but not in like a hateful or you know nasty way um just a little edge who do you think's the biggest jerk out of 
Kyrgios and Rune? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I feel like Rune's track record just isn't all the way there. Right. He doesn't have enough jerk credit. Yeah. Kyrgios has had so many jerk moments. Yeah. But I think the thing is with Kyrgios, he also has moments like where he's not a jerk, where he's actually like pretty cool. And that's part of the Kyrgios conundrum is that he shows you his heart sometimes and can be delightful. But, but then like, you know, it's really hard for me to forgive him for the way he acted during that Tsitsipas match at Wimbledon. It just, he was so nasty and so disruptive but, you know, also Stefanos lost his mind. You know, he let him get under his skin. So I don't know. I, I think Runa seems there's something troubling there. Like he's he's young and a jerk and doesn't really seem to show signs of having that redeeming quality yet. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes with him. Yeah. Well... That is the second last quarter. We've also got Mattia Bellucci, son of Monica Bellucci, in um, who came through qualifying, playing Benjamin Bonzi in potential second round matchup with Pablo Carreño Busta. Son of Monica Bellucci, the actress. I'm just making that up, but oh. <laughs> it could be. It, it, could, it could be. be. That it would be, be something, and I'd like to see what he looks like if. Uh... If that's the case, but I think there's a lot of Bellucci's out there, so I, I don't think that's correct. Okay. <laughs> she does have two children, though. Okay. Well. Yeah. Let's see who her children are. It got a little more likely. Um, personal life. I'm on Wikipedia. Uh, she met French actor Vincent Cassel on the set of their 1996 film, The Apartment. Well, I guess you know, also for her sons to have her name would be interesting. Yeah, um, they could have had to be a progressive family. Yeah. Um I think yeah, she has two daughters, so Okay. We'll keep an okay. eye on the, the women's tour. So the last quarter we've got Taylor Fritz and Casper Ruud. Yep. Matteo Berrettini, RBA, Zverev, uh, which is oh, interesting. Yes. I hope he loses to Juan Pablo Varillas, the lucky loser from Peru, in the first round. Yeah, he's been pretty poor, I think, in his first couple matches back. I think he'll probably get through that, but I like Gofan to beat him in the second. That I would like to see. I think Gofan's given him trouble historically, too. Right. So, um, Gofan lost 1 6 6 1 6 1 to um, Gasquet in the quarters at Auckland. Ooh. That's pretty so troubling. Well for no, it doesn't. But he has a qualifier, Locoli. Yes. Who is uh, an enigma? Uh, Laurent Laurent Locoli. Uh, he's French French qualifier. So, yeah, that's there's some openness in that section for sure. Is Verov surprisingly is all the way down at number twelve? Um, I guess missing half a year will do that to you. You got J.J. Wolf in that section. J.J. Wolf versus Jordan Thompson. That could be like a fun match of weirdos in the first round. The Aussie crap. They'll probably put that on court three. Uh, Jordan Thompson. I know. Jerk. <laughs> Aussie jerk. The worst kind of jerk. Yeah. Uh, is he the worst kind of jerk? I feel like he's mostly an on-court jerk. 
Ah, uh, yeah, I, I just I have a special dislike for um. Oh yeah, I know Aussie Aussie jock jerk. Yeah, fair enough. Um, of which there are many. Yeah, um, <laughs> pretty much all of them except so, maybe not Dimonor. He's like sweet and softly spoken. Yeah, but he's basically Spanish. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe not. Um, Millman. Millman. Yeah, Millman. Um. Yeah, Millman. Yeah, he's pretty straight laced, isn't he? Yeah, he seems like a good dude. Not not a dickhead. I think dickhead is kind of the the, the default <laughs> Aussie athlete mode. Yeah. You're not going to succeed, mate, unless you, you're out there and you act like a dickhead. You've got to be a dickhead. <laughs> yep. That's what we teach him starting young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about Andy Murray playing Berrettini in the first round. Oh, yeah. Brutal. What the hell? And they're going to play the winner of Kokkinakis and Fanini. Yeah, that's another dickhead matchup there. <laughs> so it's like two stand-up guys, Berrettini and Murray, and then Cocky and Fanini. Fanini apparently was uh, getting upset with Jensen Brooksby because Jensen Brooksby, who is admittedly a dickhead, um, like didn't do a faux apology for like a let cord. <laughs> 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 Which... You know, and then afterwards, where's the faux apology? Come uh, on. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and it's so funny for that to come from Fanini of all people. You know, it's just like, oh, like you're the person who's most concerned with decorum and you know yeah. playing the right way. Um, but Brooksby afterwards was like, uh, yeah, I was taught that it's not luck. You know, which I think is fair. I mean, I I just I love the little etiquette drama around the faux apology. That the idea that you're supposed to kind of just graciously say like, yeah, I got a little lucky, put your hand up. But uh, I, I, you know, and I think there's like, there's also that performativeness to like how faux your faux apology is. Like, can you, mm. can you make it seem like a little disdainful? Like, you, you know, you're not like, Oh God, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, you're not genuinely sorry about it. So yeah, it's usually just perfunctory. Yeah. Um, and then like, I feel like, you know, some of the nicer, more empathetic players might throw in a bit more feeling into the phopology. If, like, it comes at a crucial moment, especially, you know, like, hey, like, the player was just, you know, hanging in there, just trying to come back. They had break point, which would have put them back in the match, and they get one of those. Like, yeah, uh, I feel for you. Like, it shows, I think it's fair enough to show a bit of empathy there and actually... Um, and the rest of the time, it, it being True. perfunctory, I think is okay as well because, you know, like etiquette and social norms and stuff, they're part of how humans build a society. And then it's also interesting when yeah. people don't live up to them because that shows us the boundaries of where these sort of invisible social um, codes are. It's kind of fun to like p- play with them at times. Right. I think, yeah, I think that's all really well said. I think there's a lot you can learn about an individual based on how they approach like sort of the expected norms and how much empathy they show. I mean, I I am always heartened by players who give a point away, which will never happen on a let cord because a let cord is just that it's clear as day. But like, you know, say there was a you know, a not up, a, you know, a double bounce, 
but the umpire didn't call it and I won the point, but I know that it double bounced. And then I give you the point. I just feel like that's the kind of sporting behavior, mm-hmm. good sports personship that I love to see. And it, it makes me appreciate players when they, they try to do the right thing and they don't try to seize every advantage because I do think, yeah, some players, you know, probably like a Brooksby or a Runa are taught you don't give your opponent anything ever. Don't give anything away. Yeah. And it's kill or be killed. And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you won't succeed, you know, just that's. Right. It takes a certain amount of courage to like actually right. be willing to, to give a point away. Yeah. Yeah. I love that um, tension. I love, you know, it's it's sort of a battle for how the kind of Gasquet just broke back. Ah, we're at three, four. No way. On serve. Did you send me the link? I, I wasn't going to open it. I did. It I computer. did. Send yeah. It. Okay. I'm going to open it now. And that way we're, we're about to wrap up, but maybe we should watch the end of the match here. Yeah. I'm Am I going to get a virus? Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, all right. So the, we're almost done here. I think, um, I think Taylor Fritz is going to come through for his first semi in this section. Okay. Hey, he's been playing well. Uh, yep. he's, yeah, he's been steadily climbing up the rankings, had some great performances. Yep. Got into the final, the tour final. Uh, he's got that look in his eye. I'd like to see it. I, I'd like Taylor Fritz to be interesting. But yeah, I have Tsitsipas over Fritz in the final. Fritz beating Kyrgios. Tsitsipas beating Medvedev in the semis. And then I have Pagula over Sabalenka on the women's side. Oh, wow. Sabalenka okay. beating Kudermatova. And Pagula does... beating Sviantek. Okay, in that scenario, where does Jabur lose? Yeah, I have, Jab- face? I, I have Jabur losing to Hadad Maya in the fourth round. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have had uh, Maya potentially losing in the first round to Nuria Parisas Diaz. Mm, interesting. I like Hadad Maya a lot. I think she's really good. And, you know, there was that whole, there's kind of a bunch of joking about predicting her to win the tournament last year at Wimbledon. I think Alex predicted her to, to win the tournament. Uh, and then she lost in the first round. But she's legit. I watched her a bit last summer on the hard courts and uh, she was, she gave uh, Paula Bedosa a really tough match the other day that I caught. And uh, yeah, I'm a believer. I didn't, I just, even though I'm not, I am a big believer in Jabir. I just think, I think there's a health question and I'm choosing to go with that instead of my heart. Mm, oh Davis, no. Davis Cochoretto. Yeah. In Hobart. Yeah. Cochoretto is like a, 21 year old i think she's i think i picked her to win a match or two yeah i picked her to beat elena rabakana in the first round it's probably an overreaction to like pre uh pre-tournament success on my part rabakana is pretty good yeah all right so why don't you call the end of this well i don't know if you're gonna call the whole match call this point Okay, well, um, so Gasquet just that's, uh, had a first serve fault. Um, after he lost the opening point, it was a really good point, but he just missed the drop volley. 
hitting the mm. tape. I like I like Gasquet's oh, yellow yellow tea. Um, yeah, yeah, still sporting Lecoq Sportif. Okay, it's a baseline rally. God, Nori has such a strange backhand. Nori's left-handed. He's kind of leaning into it, too. It's interesting. Now I feel like there's... Gasquet's backhand down the line from Gasquet and into the net by Nori. It's 15 all. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been more excited to watch a Gasquet match, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's mostly torturous, David. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I think this would be a pr- particularly special because this is Nori's hometown event. Oh, I don't know if he's from Auckland, but he's he's Kiwi yeah. originally. Yeah, he grew up in New Zealand, speaks with a Kiwi accent. Oh, wild forehand from Gasquet. Brings up 1530. Oh, damn it. He really needs to hold serve here. Oh, yeah, big time. Right after you don't want the boomerang break. Gotta, gotta maintain that momentum. Look at him. Look at his face. He's very wild. troubled. Wild first serve. Looks looks a little looks to be a little humid down there in Auckland. Yeah, it does. Narrowly got that second in. Ooh, Nori almost with the let cord. Oh yes. Thirty all. I think you're just slightly ahead of me. Maybe. In terms of delay, but um Ah uh, wow. Yeah, Auckland looks like a pretty fun tournament. Like one of those, I wouldn't mind going actually because um, yeah. I've never been to Auckland, and I used to, I loved what the Sydney International. Well, it's not being played at the moment, but we used to, um, what it used to be the Sydney tournament used to be the New South Wales Open. Right. Played at uh, White, a place called White City. Uh, great volley by Gasquet there, following in the serve, and it's forty thirty game point. Um, and it was like a real old school tournament, old stadium. They still had a grass mm. court. You could walk around and see the players. I saw Pete Sampras play there. Um, you know, and you just don't have tournaments like that anymore. It's just new stadiums. It's all very clean cut. But Auckland looks like a tournament. The court, the center court looks great. Yeah. Good attendance. Uh, and look, any reason to go to New Zealand, I think, uh, is a good reason. We should maybe do it one year. Yeah, it sounds great. The, the warm-up tournaments are great. I've been to Hobart, um, which also, good place to have a reason to go. It was sort of random, though. I didn't go for the tournament. I went on on a like I went on a date, basically. <laughs> you went on a date to Hobart? Yeah, it was somebody I'd gone out with a couple times, and we we're just like, let's go to Hobart for a couple days. And so we went. Wow. That was, that was pretty fun. That's escalating. Sort of. I never saw her again after that. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been the tennis. Um, well, I think, oh, yeah, she's like, uh, she was some kind of expat living in Melbourne, but 
she was just about to move to New York City. I think she was Irish. So it was like, yeah, we're clearly not, nothing's going to happen here, but just hanging out for a bit. We watched while we were in our Airbnb, we watched the Seinfeld episode where Kramer is a ball man. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, come on, beautiful point. Nice finish at the net. Advantage He's very good hands at the net. Yeah. Wow, this would be big for Gasquet to get a tournament win. I don't think he's won a tournament since 2018. Mm. Um. Yeah. So, so your Irish friends went to New York City and you never saw her again. Never saw her again. Was it the Ball Man episode? It was the Ball Man episode. Oh, I don't think so. I think she was actually pretty delighted by both the ball man episode and the tennis. Okay, great. You know, I, I really, I feel like I have a pretty good track record as tennis Sherpa. You know, I love to bring friends to tennis, to live tennis for the first time um, and, uh, and kind of show them around. And uh, I think if you're even just remotely sports curious, it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And to be honest, I mean, Hobart wasn't like, I mean, Hobart's a 250. There's like basically one court. And it feels like it's like a court in a park. (laughs) Like it is, it is a very low key event. I'm trying to remember who I saw. Um, It's only it's a women only tournament, isn't it? Yeah, just a WTA event. Yasuke is grimacing, by the way. Mm. As it as we go back to to Juice. I mean, he's you know at his age, he's just going to feel some aches and pains here and there. But maybe it's he's more coming into situation. the situation. Oh, oh, half that time. Oh. damn it! Advantage Nari. A virtual match point here. His coach has been sticking with him, Julien Kassan. Hmm. That guy in the red shirt I cut to. I love that red shirt he's wearing. The one Kassan's wearing? No, oh, Gasquet, yeah. Yeah, I like it too. It's... Oh, here we go. Easy point for Gasquet. Yes! Great serve. His serve has been good. What? There's a call on this. What? I don't know what's happening. Was it a fault? Nope, I was in. But are they going to make him serve again? Yeah, he's going to have to... Oh, no, they gave him the point. Did Nori give him the point? I'm not listening to the feed. I'm not listening either. Um... That seems like a Cam Nori thing to do. Seems like the, that kind of sportsmanship that we were just discussing. So, so Nori's giving him the point. That's good. Or maybe maybe Nori challenged and then lost it. That might have been the way. Sorry, David. I accidentally muted you. 
you say hmm. something? Nope, I was watching Gasquet win that point. This is going to be gripping for our for our audience to listen to. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this. Whole well, I, see that guy I, in the blue cap and the red shirt? That's Gasquet's coach. I see. Yeah, it's going to be gripping for our vast podcast audience. Well, well if you ever wanted to like try your hand at play-by-play, now's the time. Now's the time. I just... I feel really exposed. Gasquet's serve into Nori's body and Nori sends a forehand long. And Gasquet takes the game. It's for all. It's getting pretty yeah, serious here. Right <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you got to bring the energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's pretend, Dave. Let's pretend okay. we're actually commentators. So Nori no. serving here for all in the final at Auckland. Takes a look up into the crowds, steps away from the line. Looks like he's feeling the pressure, Cam. Mm. First serves long from Nori. So we're kind of doing a radio, con- if we're calling the play-by-play, that's radio commentary, hey? Yeah, it is, right. Yeah, you have to give a little more feedback. Hmm. I don't think he's. I was gonna say. I wonder if Kemnor is thinking about his Australian Open draw, but you know, he has somebody named Van Agasha in the first round wild card. He's probably not too concerned about that. Oh, he's definitely feeling. He's definitely thinking about winning a tournament here. Yeah, he's he's in the moment. So we've got a backhand, a forehand rally. Ooh. Wild oh, one-hander. Oh, Gasquet's wild forehand. Wild backhand, sorry. Oh, no. Paula Bedosa and Isla Tomjanovic both withdrew from the Australian Open. This completely yes. f- changes my draw. Jean-Jean is in. Oh, Jean-Jean is else. in. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah. L- lucky loser. But, but at the expense of those other two women. I mean, those are, those are fun women to watch know. play. Famous I guess maybe race. you're gonna have to watch Jean Jean now. You're gonna have to tune uh, in. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Yes! A ripper. Beautiful backhand inside out. For a clean winner from Richard Gasquet. Wonderful. Yes, love no. how he whips that cross court. Yeah, and then no reaction afterwards. Like, yeah, that's what I was born to do. So we're at 15 all here. Nori serving. Gasquet looking for the break. Into Gasquet's backhand. Gasquet with a defensive lob, but it's long. Nori 30-15. His body language, Cam Nori, it seems like a little bit of relief there. Mm. Just, you know, pressure valve getting released a bit. Oh! Yes! 
delightful little short slice to finish the point at net for Richard. Yeah. He's, he's nothing if not stylish with his, um, mm. some of those cuts that he takes at the ball. You know, if I if I had nothing else to do, and to be perfectly honest, man, I have nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> I would cut in the audio here of the match. Yeah, because this is not you know normally radio. You get you get at least you get the court sound. We're just talking over a great yeah. silence. Yeah. I mean, mainly what we're doing is we're enjoying watching the match together and, like, we're still continuing the podcast. Yes, that's exactly it. I'll put some music over it, you know, punch it up. Maybe you could, like, have a a bit of an idea as I just, like, turn it into, like, a 20-second little piece of, like, some of the best moments, like kind of give like like turn it into a collage of mm, little yeah little sound bites and then that can be like give a flavor of us enjoying the match maybe yeah because this could easily go on another half hour <laughs> if you want to stay on and watch it yeah so probably won't include the whole thing oh that was beautiful. oh yes <laughs> Yeah. I am clearly a little bit ahead of you. You are. I love how he changes direction there to go down the line. That's hard to do. Holy cow, it's 99 degrees outside. Jesus Christ. I was supposed to go out for a run, but it's getting into no run temperature zone. Mm-hmm. The pool is right around the corner, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Carlton Bass is laps? Right, right there. I used to swim laps a lot. I do still swim laps on occasion, but I'm not in really, I'm not in swimming form. So I just kind of do a short, short swim. Double fault from Nari, and Gasquet, out of nowhere in this third set, has a break point to serve at 5-4. It's a big moment here for Richard Gasquet. Defense by Richard. Hanging in this point. Oh! No! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. So, Gasquet breaks. Oh, there's life in the old dog, yeah. And we'll serve for the championship, yeah. 
amazing. Right, here we go. Richard Gasquet serving for the Auckland Championship. He is, isn't he? He's serving for a tournament victory ahead of the Australian Open. Good deep serve in the box, but Nori has regained footing in the point. Yeah. Gasquet on the defensive. Ooh, a wild oh, forehand miss from Nori. A 15 gift love. from Nori. Yes. I think we're supposed to remain impartial, Matt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes get annoyed at commentators who don't remain impartial. Yeah, you get that more with the Aussies. Mm. They're a bit given to the superlative, too. They were talking about Roberto Batista Agu as if he was like Barishnikov yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) What was he doing? Uh, Just playing good tennis. You know, great footwork. You know, very steady under pressure. Um, I mean, he was he was great. He is a great tennis player, but oh, no, he's not no. like a, he's not like an all time great tennis player. No. That um, I was just gonna say that Gasquet's slice backhand when he's on defense gives him a lot of time, but um, to get back in the point, but then. He didn't get back. <laughs> yeah, he seems like he's been using it well, but not left it a little short, I think, there. 15 all. Second service. Just noticing that he's using all the serve clock. Hmm. I, I don't like, I don't like his chances if he doesn't win this service game here. I just think he'll get two down. Critique yeah. setting. He's yeah. got a very limited range of winning matches these days. Yeah, and the the hometown energy should give Nori a lift. I think if he can break back. Seems like Gasquet is trying to serve his way to the championship, which is not really his game. Yeah, he needs to get those firsts. Do what he's been doing, coming to net and ripping some backhands. There we go. He was working the angle in that point, you know, trying to get Nori out wide and then lined up a forehand down the down the line. Very yeah, well true. done. ASB Classic. What's ASB? Is it a bank? Mm, I guess so. Another something bank. 
Another shitty bank? Another stupid bank. Dot com. And how wow. about this? Jesse's got a match point. So and volleyed on that point. Wow. Okay, I'm going to turn on the sound here. funny hearing the commentators championship point for Richard S. Gay. <laughs> no one really cares. <laughs> well, no, it's just they bring like an energy and we're like watching like fans like, oh, yeah. I did it. Oh, he's done it. Oh. <laughs> wow. A wow. smile. That's big for him. Very big. This is about as good as it's going to get at this stage in his career, I think. Yeah. He had um he had a really good draw. Getting the Kiwi wildcard in the first round ranked 500. Um that's a very soft landing into the tournament. And then he had a walkover in the semis. In between, he played Salsa and Goffin. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he beat the crap out of Goffin, which is uh, concerning. After losing the first set 6-1, though. Oh, he lost the first set 6-1 and then won 6-1, the 6-1. Next, yeah. Yeah, wow. All right. Well, fun watching with you. And uh, always a pleasure, Matt. I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, me too, David. Um, Thanks so much for watching the game with me. The Tennis Tragic thanks you for listening. All correspondence and feedback can be directed to tennistragicpod at gmail.com and our Instagram is at tennistragicpod.com